Welcome to Theology for the People. One of the questions that's sometimes asked about the Holy Spirit is whether God will ever remove the Holy Spirit from a person because of disobedience or sinful actions. Certainly there are verses which talk about God removing the Holy Spirit from people, such as Psalm 51 verse 11, where King David prays, Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. David prayed this in the wake of his sin with Bathsheba in 2 Samuel chapter 11. So that brings up the question, are there times when God removes the Holy Spirit from someone if they do something really bad? Furthermore, in 1 Samuel chapter 16, it says that the Spirit of the Lord departed from King Saul. And in the book of Judges, it says that the Spirit of the Lord departed from Samson. So does this mean that God will remove his spirit from you if you live in a bad way? Because if so, that would be a pretty big problem because Romans chapter 8 verse 9 says that anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. To understand this, it's really important that we understand the three relationships the Holy Spirit has with different groups of people. So in order to understand the question and understand what it meant for David, Saul, and Samson, and what it means for us today to have the Holy Spirit removed, we have to understand first the three different relationships that the Bible tells us the Holy Spirit has with different groups of people. So let's go through those. Relationship number one is what we can call the with relationship. In John chapter 14, verse 17, Jesus told his disciples that the Holy Spirit had been with them up until that point, and then he told them that the work of the Holy Spirit in the world, in chapter 16, verse 8, he said this, is to bring about conviction in people's hearts and minds about three things, sin, righteousness, and judgment. Basically, that we have sinned, that God is righteous, and that therefore there is coming a day of judgment when God will judge the world. In other words, the Holy Spirit is at work in the world, in every country, with all people in this way. He is whispering in people's ears, speaking to their hearts about the fact that, number one, they are sinners and have fallen short of God's perfect standard. Number two, that God is righteous. So therefore, number three, there is coming a day of judgment when we will stand before a righteous God and give account for our lives. Now, the purpose of this conviction, so the Holy Spirit being with all people convicting, the purpose of this conviction is not just to make people feel bad about themselves. The purpose is to draw them to Jesus by bringing them to a realization of why they need a Savior so they will embrace Jesus and what he has done in order to save them. Okay, that's the first relationship. The second relationship is what we can call the in relationship. So the Holy Spirit is with all people, but the Holy Spirit is in those who have been redeemed by Jesus. Jesus told his disciples there in John 14, 17, the end of that verse where he says, the Holy Spirit has been with you up until this point, but then he says, but soon the Holy Spirit will also be in you. So this indwelling of the Holy Spirit is something that was prophesied by the Old Testament prophets, Ezekiel and Jeremiah, that one day God was going to put his spirit within his people. You can see Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 27 on that, in order to transform them from the inside out. That was the purpose. For people in the Old Testament, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit was always a future event. But after Jesus had died and resurrected, we read in John chapter 20, verse 22, that Jesus met with his disciples and he breathed on them and said, 
receive the Holy Spirit. Now, it was at this moment that the disciples received the Holy Spirit within them, and it was at this moment that they were born again. Now, what it comes down to is this. Only those who have put their faith in Jesus have the Holy Spirit within them, and every person who has put their faith in Jesus has the Holy Spirit dwelling within them. The Bible tells us that when you put your faith in Jesus, God puts his seal on you and gives you his Holy Spirit as a guarantee. You can see 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 23 on that, as well as Ephesians chapter 1. Furthermore, this regenerating and indwelling relationship with the Holy Spirit, in this relationship, the Spirit is called the Spirit of Adoption in Romans chapter 8, verse 15. So it's God's guarantee to you that you belong to him and you are his. The indwelling spirit sanctifies, leads, guides, strengthens, and transforms from within. So there's the first two. With all people, in those who have been redeemed through faith in Jesus. And the third relationship is also important. This is what we call the upon relationship. So the Holy Spirit in this third relationship is upon some people at different times to empower them to do what God has called them to do. Remember how in John chapter 20, Jesus breathed on his disciples and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Well, right after that, Jesus told his disciples to stay in Jerusalem and wait until the Holy Spirit came upon them. But if they just received the Holy Spirit in John 20, then why would Jesus tell them still to wait for the Holy Spirit if they have already received him? Again, here's why. Because this is speaking about two different relationships with the Holy Spirit. So in John chapter 20, when Jesus breathed upon them, they received the Spirit in them. They were born again. But then they were to wait in Jerusalem for the Holy Spirit to come upon them. That's the empowering relationship, to empower them to carry out the mission Jesus had given them. That's why Jesus tells his disciples in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Throughout the Old Testament, before people could have the Holy Spirit within them, We read that the Holy Spirit would come upon people to empower them to do things that God had called them to do. For example, it says that the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon in Judges chapter 6 verse 34. We are also told that the Holy Spirit came upon Samson and upon David and upon Elisha and others to empower them to do what God had called them to do. So, Jesus was promising his disciples and us that the Holy Spirit will also come upon us to empower us to carry out the callings he has placed upon our lives, including being his witnesses. So that brings us back to our question. Will God remove his spirit from a person because of disobedience? And it gets to this question, which I would call unadopting and unsealing. Here's why. Remember, in the Old Testament, the Spirit was with people to bring about conviction, and the Holy Spirit was upon people sometimes to empower them. But at that point, the Spirit was not yet within people, indwelling. So when we read in the Old Testament about God removing his Spirit, it's not in the sense of a person who had the Holy Spirit dwelling within them as a seal. Rather, it's in the sense of God removing the empowering work of the Holy Spirit from those people, which makes sense, particularly in the case of Samson. 
Uh, but for a person who has been sealed by the Holy Spirit indwelling them, we never read of God removing his spirit from someone in that sense. The indwelling Holy Spirit is the spirit of adoption. And we never hear of God unadopting us when we make mistakes or mess up. Rather, he disciplines us, as we're told in Hebrews chapter 12, like a loving father. So if God has sealed you as a guarantee of your salvation by the Holy Spirit, that's exactly what it is. He has placed his spirit within you as a guarantee that he will see you through and bring to completion the good work he has begun in you. If you are his child, he won't give up on you. And that's really good news. Hey, for further study on this, I'll put in the show notes links to the message I taught on this subject which is about, well, it's actually two messages, one on the three relationships with the Holy Spirit from a message called The Promised Helper, but also a link to another message I taught called The Work of the Holy Spirit in the Life of a Believer. These all come from our series called The Spirit-Filled Life, which we taught earlier this year at Whitefields Community Church, so you can go check that out at whitefieldschurch.com. Thanks for tuning in and listening. You can always check out the text version of this site or the text blog of Theology for the People over at nickkady.org. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Hey, everybody. Nick Katie here once again, and I want to invite you to a special event that's taking place in the month of September on September 17th and 18th here in my home state of Colorado. It's called the Expositors Collective Training Weekend. So this is a 24-hour immersive experience in which you are going to be trained by Bible teachers and preachers experienced in the craft of how to craft a message and, and how to present a message. All the aspects that go into preaching and teaching the Bible with Christ at the center and doing it well in a way that's compelling, in a way that is faithful. I would love for you to come. I'm part of the steering committee of the Expositors Collective. It's a cool ministry. Check us out at expositorscollective.com. And that's also where you can find information and sign up for this Colorado Springs training weekend. You know, the, the Expositors Collective is a group of pastors, leaders, and lay people who just have a heart to raise up the next generation of Christ-centered expository preachers. So if that's you, maybe you feel a calling from God on your life and you just want to explore that. Maybe you want to stir up some gifts that might be latent within you. We'd love to have you come out. If you are involved in teaching the Bible in any way, whether it's to kids, to youth, or to congregations, come out. We would love to have you. Uh, this is an open to participants ages 18 through 35. Now, if you're outside of that age group, contact us anyway. Maybe you can come and serve those younger people in some way, but this is primarily directed towards those in the 18, 18 to 35 age group because we want to raise up the next generation and we want to see them equipped with the tools that they need in order to preach Christ faithfully and well. So check it out. Again, registration information, all that good stuff is available at expositorscollective.com. And you can check out the Expositors Collective podcast. I host episodes over there every now and then, but every week they have great interviews with preachers and teachers of the Bible that can really help you in your public proclamation and your private study of God's word. Thanks and God bless.